yeah, it's Friday, you know what that means, another episode of Talking Reckless, with your host, your boy, the one and only, Reckless Ryan, how everybody doing, hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, you know, made the most of it that you could, it's been a weird year, but uh, we're coming to the end of it, so uh, let's kick it off today, we got the one and only, Salty. The man with the coolest logo ever. Woo. Woo. We're going to kick it off today with his remix of Stellar Circuits. Yeah. Yeah. This is Fell Under a Spell. Salty Remix. Let's go. up and we're back and we have the guest today the homie salty from denver colorado salty tell him what's up homie what's up everybody all right my man my man so tell us a little bit about yourself man how long have you been djing and producing man i've been producing um producing seriously for probably about 12 years um maybe a little more than that uh, it's kind of hard to say when I like, you know, began to focus on it, but say like 12, 12 to 13 years and then uh, started DJing back in 2010, um, you know, pretty shortly after I was producing, um, just kind of started with like a bunch of different genres, you know, learned, you know, covered all the bases, learned everything um, on you know, small controllers and, and virtual DJ. Um, and then just started really getting into it about four years after that and started to play gigs and whatnot. No doubt, most definitely, bro. What, um, do you, do you remember what really got you into uh, wanting to be a DJ or a music producer? Um, yeah, I mean, just a combination of just liking electronic music and liking the sound of it um, and having access to all of it from like LimeWire <laughs> I know that's funny but that's what I used to do uh, was just go on LimeWire and search by genre um, and I would find you know back then they had like trance techno um, and you know it wasn't really techno it was more like Eurodance kind of stuff but I would just comb line wire and just get everything uh within each genre basically everything that i could and uh just you know listen to it and study it and eventually um began wanting to produce it and i came across a game a video game uh playstation 2 video game called ej club world um okay and this game was basically a step sequencer with a bunch of um, like royalty-free samples, and you would just plug the samples in, you know, pick a tempo and everything, um, and make a song that way. So, started doing that. We found a way to basically record the audio coming out of the PlayStation, and uh, I would do that with my dad. We would just, you know, I'd make songs, and then he would record them from the PlayStation, and 
that was it. We would cut albums and they were, they were really coherent, just like sloppy messes and everything. And then, uh, you know, after a while of doing that, I, I found FL Studio and that's what I've been using ever since. Hell yeah, bro. Did you ever do, um, like, any, like, uh, you know, rock or metal stuff? Me and my dad used to actually record a little bit of, like, really, really bad garage rock, like, punk stuff. <laughs> like, pretty much using, like, a drum machine, and it was, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> well, I mean, at least you gave it a shot, right? Yeah, for real, for real. Um, yeah. Man. Um, I, we didn't... I, I had a guitar and my grandpa's guitar growing up um, and I took a guitar class in like high school um, didn't really pursue it much further than that um, I had drums at one point um, not anything great and they kind of broke on me within like the first year oh. um, <laughs> and I just didn't really follow it too much after that I always listened to metal but I didn't really pursue learning the guitar any further or the drums um i just kind of uh was producing electronic music and it wasn't really up until recently that i wanted to integrate more metal with it um i did one i think i did one remix of avenge sevenfold in like 2010 and that was it it was like electro house but Beyond that, I hadn't really done any metal stuff up until pretty recently. No doubt. That's, a, that's what's up, bro. That's cool, man. Um, so tell me, you know, uh, your style has changed a bunch from your early days. Um, I'm talking strictly off of what I know from Spotify. You know, I'm talking the Redux stuff, the, uh, oh, man, your super early stuff from, like, 2015. And now you're doing more, you know, drum and bass. And the early stuff was more kind of like Deep House, you know, almost a little trancy, too, at some of them, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Tell me tell yeah, me what it, made uh, your sound change. actually, you know, Spotify only shows you kind of back to 2015. Yeah. That's when I was I was releasing uh under the salty alias but it goes back a lot further than that um i had an old alias called hive mind um and i was producing pretty much like all genres uh way back when uh when i kind of started and that was that was a project that was like a lot of trance a lot of electro house um some drum and bass and some you know a little tiny bit of dubstep um and I kind of, you know, I wanted a name change after using Hivemind for so long, and I kind of wanted to just have a more refined sound. Um, so I, I came up with the Salty name probably back in 2012, 2013, and just kind of honed in on on my sound. Um, and it really was a lot of house and techno back then. Um, but since my days as Hivemind, uh, people who listened to my music were saying that they liked my drum and bass stuff the best so that's kind of what i took into account and ever since then i i really focused and uh, moved away from the house and techno side of things and just kind of put 100 percent of drum and bass most definitely yeah i agree it's uh it's really good i've like i like everything that i've heard on spotify man it's uh you're, you're really talented bro i really i really dig the stuff Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Hey, no doubt, bro. So tell me, man, being in Denver, how do you think that this, you know, influences your music, say, you know, being in Denver as compared to, like, Chicago or L.A. or New York or something? Yeah, so Denver, um, 
is pretty widely regarded as like the base capital of the United States, um, which I think has a lot of influence over a lot of the producers here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of dubstep that comes out of here, and then more recently, there's a ton of future bass. As probably most people know, Lenium is from. Uh, he's not from Colorado, but he lives in Colorado and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, Denver is kind of like a really bass heavy. Uh, city and really Colorado as the state is um, with drum and bass it's a little bit different because it's not as it's not as popular here or just in the United States in general um, but I've always loved the sound and it kind of gave way uh, for dubstep eventually over in the UK um, that, that sound kind of came from drum and bass and jungle and UK garage um, so I, I just kind of really liked drum and bass wanted to stick with it i've tried my hand at a couple of dubstep things but i just i feel more comfortable with with drum and bass and it's you know in colorado i will say it's starting to gain some traction once again um i know it had some uh like in the early 2000s even the late 90s but really dubstep's the main uh the main genre that people listen to here so um you know me and all the other local uh, drum and bass guys kind of try to you know integrate a lot of, of drum and bass within this scene that's mostly dubstep focused most definitely man um how have you lived in denver your whole life i have oh wow how has the music scene itself changed like you said it's widely regarded you know colorado being the bass capital of the world um what was it like before it became the bass capital of the world man yeah, I, you know, it's it's kind of hard to say because Denver has a lot of, you know, good music that comes out of all genres, like really even beyond just electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say before dubstep really took off, and I think that happened in about like 2008, kind of when everyone was discovering music through MySpace and whatnot. They were finding like Caspa and Rusko and all those like dubstep people. Um, before that, I would kind of say, to me, it seemed like trance uh, was really, really popular here. I was a little bit too young to go out and like go to shows at that point, but to me, it seemed like from what I was seeing of who was playing clubs and who was playing Red Rocks, it seems like trance uh, was kind of a big deal. Um, Marcus Schultz, Dash Berlin, um, even Above and Beyond, artists like that I think were really the focus of Global which is like Global Dance Festival they used to hold it at Red Rocks and whatnot. Um, every year you would kind of see those names more trance um, a little bit of like house and like commercial stuff uh, Benny Benassi and guys like that um, but I, yeah I would say about 2008 is kind of when Dubstep started to take the you know the forefront most definitely, man. So you mentioned Red Rocks, so you know I gotta ask about it. Have you been to Red Rocks? Oh yeah, I've been more times than I can count. Oh man, tell me about some of your experiences there, because for you know someone out of state, um, dude, it's just almost like one of the most iconic spots in like America. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, especially being yeah. from the South, we know all about it, but a lot of us don't get the chance to travel up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do get the chance, I highly recommend it. It's it's something that I would say I almost took for granted for a really long time because 
it was just normal for us to go there. You know, it just seemed to us like another venue. Right. Um, but when you when you're up there and you kind of take everything in, it's it's definitely like you kind of get a sense of appreciation, um, and then you stop really taking it for granted. Um, really, what kind of opened my eyes to that was just so many artists. Uh, casting it up and saying you know I can't wait to play Red Rocks again and all this stuff um that kind of really made me realize like what an iconic venue it is right most definitely man so now I gotta ask a little bit of uh, a, a downer question man how has the Denver scene been with COVID? How, you know, I know I've started to actually kind of see some little clubs start to pop up again um how, how has the scene affected y'all as a city? um so it's been it's been rough um, pretty much across the entire city there's there's restrictions that have kind of loosened up a little bit so you have some clubs throwing like obviously socially distanced rooftop parties and mm-hmm. things like that uh, it's all like late afternoon to evening um, and everything kind of closes down by about 10 uh, but just uh, Two days ago on Friday, I believe, they announced another curfew, 10 p.m. curfew, um, and that kind of really puts a damper on many things mm. uh, across the city. Um, but even aside from, like, regulations and, and whatnot, um, most people here are kind of not really willing to chance it either way. So right. what we're seeing a lot of... Uh, much more than shows and socially distanced, you know, dinner events and things like that. We're kind of just seeing more live streams, and I imagine it's the same pretty much across the state. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to me like people don't really want to take that risk, uh, even if you know regulations allow clubs and venues to hold shows. Most definitely, man. All right. So sp- speaking about you know COVID and clubs and everything, man. Tell me about you being a marketing director at uh, one of the biggest clubs in Denver. Yeah, so um, the club was Beta. Um, it was pretty pretty widely known, at least across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Billboard Top 20 Club and things like that. Um, wow. Big talent every single week. Um, they kind of ran into some issues there. Uh, I, I started there, I think, 2015 or 2016 as an unpaid intern. Um, and just kind of worked my way up from there. Um, and then in late 2018, the club closed down. Um, they pretty much said, you know, we're done for good. Uh, and then shortly after that, you know, everyone was pretty sad because uh, it was kind of like the go-to spot for all this music that everybody here loves. Right. Um, shortly after that, they, they contacted me and asked me if I wanted to come back on. And I was like, come back on for what? And they basically said they were going to um, kind of reinvent the club, remodel it, um, change some of the programming and things like that. So they asked me back as uh, marketing director. And of course, I said yes, um, just because I wanted to, you know, re-experience all those things that everyone uh, within the electronic scene in Denver really loved well, most definitely. Uh, about the club. Yeah, so, sure. um yeah, I took them up on the job. Um, there was a lot of trial and error, um, and I would say mostly error, because <laughs> we ended up uh, 
we ended up, you know, we launched and everything uh, after several delays and whatnot. And, you know, it was, it was kind of rough and um, there was some new programming decisions and things like that by the management that didn't really sit too well with the people that had known the previous incarnation of the club. Right. Um, a combination of that and some other um, issues they were having, they ended up selling the venue um, to new owners. So it's it's operating now. It's a completely different venue, but the new owners have just uh, kept the name for some reason. I don't know why, but it's still called Beta. It's called Beta Event Center now. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a totally different vibe now. But yeah, as uh, you know, as as marketing director of the second installment, I guess I'd say, um, I would just say, you know, uh, as far as like booking talent and whatnot, that was kind of my main focus. And then, other than that, it was pretty much just like lots of uh, promotion, obviously, lots of social media interaction, uh, figuring out like website stuff and whatnot um and just reaching people in the same ways that we had done previously uh when i worked there at the previous incarnation most definitely man who um were you able to bring in like some big artists and if you were who were some of those artists that you were able to bring in during your time yeah yeah um so the club was widely known its first uh installment is is like the place where you know the big names would go play so we had everyone from like dead mouse to richie Houghton oh to, wow you know um all the big dubstep guys sets dead getter um pretty much on a weekly basis and then when i took back over um i was kind of i was working with the talent buying team but i was kind of acting as you know figuring out the programming for most of the nights mm -hmm. um and so we ended up booking um like adventure club um knife party for halloween um trying to think of some other big names um it was it was a pretty short stint there as this as beta 2.0 is what the uh, owners decided to call it it was it was pretty <laughs> short-lived and there was um there was kind of some financial issues that prevented us from really getting you know that top tier talent every single week right. um, and I think that's kind of why the place ended up getting sold and whatnot. but in that short time we had some, some pretty good names um, as far as uh, electronic music went um, the club ended up moving into a more mainstream um, kind of sound as well so they, they ended up booking um, the baby okay. and and like some other hip hop artists and whatnot, um, and then besides that, it was mostly just locals, I would say. All right, well, hell yeah, man, that's what's up. That's some big names there, man. And the baby's really been blowing up this past year. Yeah, definitely. I hadn't heard of him before they they booked him, but apparently he's pretty big. Yeah, it's wild to look at now. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. So, so tell me some about uh, your experiences, man. Playing like, what are some of the biggest shows that you've been able to do? Have been Have you been on some festivals? Have you headlined out of state? Tell me, tell me a little bit about your experiences. Yeah, so I haven't really uh, played like any big stages at any festivals. I played some of the side stages and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, Supernatural was is one that we kind of have here every year. Um, around Halloween time used to be called Hella Freakin' Ween and now it's called Supernatural um, <laughs> played that one 
I was supposed to play global this year, but uh, quarantine kind of put a wrench in all that. Yeah, <laughs> um, a little bit. <laughs> and then, uh, aside from like festival type shows, I would say uh, really the old incarnation of beta was kind of where I had some of the biggest nights. I, I never headlined, but you know I got to play support for some pretty great names. Um, Net Sky, Sub Focus, Matrix and Feature Bound, a lot of drone bass guys uh, I had the honor of sharing the stage with. Hell yeah, dude, that's that's fantastic. That is awesome. That's uh Yeah. That's some really cool stuff, man. Tell me yeah, about Oh, I bet, bro. <laughs> I bet. Tell yeah. me about some of your influences on uh, production, man, you know, with you saying that you were bouncing between genres and, you know, you're sticking mainly to drum and bass now, but what are some of your biggest inspirations? Man, that's, uh, we could be here all night if I, if I really go into that. I'll edit, I'll um, edit out after 15. <laughs> I'll say at the moment, or uh, right now, uh, Dimension is, is, a name that I'm just loving everything he's putting out um Subfocus Netsky um and then I guess outside of drum and bass uh Phase One is a dubstep artist that's really fusing a lot of metal elements into his productions which I find awesome obviously and uh so yeah he's been really big for me and then really outside of that I mean just a, a bunch of different metal uh, across every metal subgenre. Uh, lots of gen, lots of like Veil of Maya era, um, some tech death type stuff, some progressive stuff between the Buried and Me is huge uh, for me. Oh, and yeah. really beyond that, I kind of hate, hate to be one of those people, but I, I pretty much listen to everything. So kind of try to draw inspiration from wherever I can. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I'm a big fan of more or less every genre as well. It's funny because I actually show up to uh, some of the shows I'm playing wearing uh, cowboy boots, and I'm the only person I think ever to throw down a uh, throw down a techno set in cowboy boots. <laughs> I don't know if you are, man. I got some. I got my whole uh, cowboy aesthetic right now. <laughs> well, I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it first. Um, yeah, I've kind of been doing that lately. So big up for big up for the boots, man. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. <laughs> so man, let's talk about you growing up, right? Okay. So everyone has a dream of kind of what they want to be when they were growing up. You know, a doctor, a rock star, an NFL player. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Man, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, I was really into skateboarding. I kind of always wanted to. Um, pursue that professionally but you know seven years of that and then uh, life just kind of gets so busy as you get older and I kind of fell off with the skateboarding I've been attempting lately uh, every now and then to get back on the board but it hurts a lot more you know when you're <laughs> when you're as old you know right but um, that that was kind of one of the big ones for me but other than that really music man I like I said I was making songs on a video game before so I kind of always pictured um, going somewhere with it um, mm-hmm. and it's pretty cool to see how it's working out so far um, obviously I'm not at the point currently where I can survive solely off of 
music, um, especially now during a pandemic. But um, every day seems to get a little bit better. Most definitely, man. That's what's up. So we've talked about video games a couple of times now in this uh, in this interview. How much inspiration do you think you draw either consciously or subconsciously from video games, man? I think a lot. Uh, I really wasn't playing many games uh, for kind of the past five years, but I recently got back into it. Um, and I was I was hosting a night with my partner, Dan, um, at, over at Beta um, that was like a combination of gaming and um music mostly bass music mm-hmm. um and that was that was kind of born out of just we were both into the music obviously and the video games so um we thought it'd be cool to like do a hybrid night with video games and bass music and we kind of started that obviously didn't really go too far at that moment because of you know the club going under new ownership and whatnot right and then um the pandemic right after that but we were kind of planning to build that night a lot more and you know find a new venue for it um and really that kind of reignited you know my interest in video games um but really lately i've just kind of been either revisiting older games that i liked a lot or um old games that i never got the chance to play uh, which was more, most recently Dark Souls, which I've become completely obsessed with, and even my last track, Among the Accursed, it's kind of inspired by Dark Souls and the whole aesthetic of it, the balance of light and dark and things like that, if I can get extra nerdy <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Um, Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, I mean, before that, even coming up as Hive Mind, it was kind of like... I was always playing Halo or Call of Duty or shooters or things like that. Um, so I would say even, like you said, subconsciously, I think some of those sounds or just some of the, um, I guess, landscapes of the video games kind of could probably hold an influence over the sound. And of course, the scores or the soundtracks of the video games could do that as well. Um, so I would say a lot. Most uh, definitely. Oh, yeah, dude. So tell me, man, so, you know, we've talked about video games. We've talked about growing up in Denver a little bit. We've talked about the club scene in Denver, man. What do you feel has been, what do you think's changed the most in the EDM scene from 2010 to 2020, almost 2021? I would say the thing that's changed the most is just the accessibility of it. Um, Back in 2010, I would say that it was it was a little bit more niche mm-hmm. to be into this kind of music and to be producing it, um, and just to go to the events and things like that. Um, it was a certain crowd back then, and now, really, I think if you ask anyone uh, on the street, they're probably going to have one or two EDM songs or dubstep songs uh, in their playlist, um, and I think that's. You know, that's partially due to what we talked about earlier was just, you know, the popularity of bass music in Denver. Um, And that kind of, you know, paves the way for so many younger people to not only get into listening to the music, but into producing it. And uh, I think, you know, the power of the Internet and SoundCloud and things like that um, really made it so widely accessible that now 
you kind of had this explosion in the mid 2010s of producers and DJs just learning and doing great things. Um, so I, I would say that's what changed the most, uh, most over those years. Most definitely, man. For for me, I almost feel like the music has gotten so much more technical and advanced, man. Because like you go back and listen yeah. to early 2000s, uh, anything, you know, and the structuring is so different from how it is now. Everything now is so, like, I, not, I don't want to say compact, but everything is so just structured and technical, and it's it's insane, dude. The feeling is insane in the music, to me, you know? Like, everything about it's, it is just so different now. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think even a lot of tracks... Um, that you hear now is really they're they're more focused on sound design mm-hmm. uh, almost to the extent that it's like I want to say a competition but it's like each new song that comes out almost feels like it's one-upping the last song just right. by being a little bit more detailed or a little bit more technical um so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's the, the stuff that people are coming up with um, is just completely next level. And most of those guys that are kind of pushing the envelope on that are really young. Right. So there's no telling where this is going to go even in the next five, ten years. Man, for real. <laughs> for real, for real. So let me, let me ask you this, bro. Okay? Mm-hmm. Out of anybody dead or alive... You can choose one. Who are you doing a feature with? I will go ahead and say Peter Gabriel. He's still alive, but um, just growing up with his music, um, listening to him with my dad and everything, uh, kind of just really shaped the entire way I look at music. So I would say something with him, whether it was, you know, a regular rock song or a regular kind of pop song um or something more experimental i would say that would be like the apex for me most definitely man well we're about towards the end of this episode bro do you have uh, anything else that you want to talk about you want to shout out anything you want to you want to do yeah i could shout some people out here at the end yeah that's that's <laughs> fine with me i will go ahead and shout out some of the producers uh that i've been collaborating with um recently and that would be Knock Knock. That's N-O-K, N-O-K. Uh, we have a new track coming up together um, that we just wrapped up. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, my man Stoic. Um, also really, really uh, just crushing the drum and bass lately uh, in Denver. Solo Denver-based producer who's just really, like we talked about earlier, the technicality of, of some of these producers, he's one of them. Uh, every track is just like chock full of stuff that you're like, wow, how did he do that? Oh, hell yeah. Um, so I would say uh, those two producers, um, shout out to my girlfriend, Sarah, uh, <laughs> who designed my logo. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, dude, the um, logo is so badass. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to throw it on the cover art. Man, it's so badass. Oh. Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked it. She came up with the concept and she drew it out. And then my friends at Pulse of Profits, uh, they, they're designers. Um, they kind of, you know, made the font and everything and digitized the 
uh, concept of the logo. So shout out to them as well. Oh yeah, big uh, shout out to both of them. <laughs> yeah, yep. And then uh, besides that, um, just everyone who's been listening either from the start or who just recently started listening. Um, all the support I can get is is fantastic. So thank you for that and um shout out to you for having me on the podcast hey most definitely man anytime i can get someone super talented and then also you know has been in the scene a little bit man and has some stories that they can share it's uh it's always a blast for me as well man yeah man i appreciate it most definitely well we're gonna go ahead and cut this out now this is talking reckless i am reckless ryan that was salty and we are out of time we'll see y'all next time this is talking reckless Woo!